Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. Sorry about that slightly weird beginning. We've tried a couple of times. We've got this new software that we're recording on, uh, which is really exciting. It's a very good software, but we're just still getting to grips with it. But So you may have missed some of the intro there. Not that anybody cares, but it's the end of the season. It was a bit of a festival uh, atmosphere yesterday, I think, with a lot of Arsenal fans. Five goals, great, with a tinge of you know, quite, quite significant sadness, but surrounded by some optimism. And I quite like to unpack that because I think there's quite a lot to go through there um, with your friend and mine, Connor Wright. How are you, Connor? Uh, uh, thank you for the kind words. No, doing well. And yeah, I like the way, Toby, that you summed up yes, uh, sort of on, on Sunday, which was yesterday, uh, with the you know positivity, a festival and a tinge of optimism as well. Uh, I've always seen mixed reviews from Arsenal and whatever topic uh, we we chat about, but I think for me in in this debate, whether it was something to be proud of or whether it wasn't, or whether it was something to be a little bit proud of or not, I think the season definitely calls for that kind of festive cheer and that kind of almost party atmosphere in that sense. Um, but I'm sure we'll get into that coming up in the podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, and look, I think once you have had that slightly disappointing run at the end of the season. The team is fatiguing and it's Spurs that get Champions League ahead of you. And when you have that so close, there's always going to be that sadness. And my fear overall, again, I think we'll go into this in a bit more detail, but I think my fear is that that unity that we've worked so hard and that I think Mikel and the team have genuinely done exceptionally well, far better than I ever thought it would. That unity that you see, I hope it doesn't start unpacking throughout the summer. I fear that a transfer not going our way or someone going to Spurs, for example, you know, could could really rock the boat. And I'm just so conscious that the number one thing we want to be doing is capitalising on where we are and just going into the next season, like, ahead of steam, you know, with a great transfer behind us mm-hmm. and that unity that's been so special. So hopefully that won't undo any of the good work. Um, but look, we'll do an end-of-season review. Um, I think we'll do that next week. Uh, we'll get a few people on, see what AFC Mets up to. He might be listening to this. I've not asked him yet, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get some people on, and I think we'll unpack it then. Um, but but but, Pookie didn't save us this year. <laughs> you know, the, the man had one job, and then he just didn't carry it out. <laughs> he just needed to score the six goals. That's it. You know, for a man of Pookie's talents, this is. By no, by no ways a very easy or very, I should say, very hard feat. No, exactly, exactly. So, no, I, I never held any hope. I don't know about you, mate, but I just like, I think I was always resigned to it. I, I actually couldn't watch the game live. Um, it was my brother's birthday. We had a lovely day in the sun, actually, um, which was which was very good. But obviously, uh, have have watched it since and um, kept up to speed. We did duck into a bar to watch the last. Um, 25 minutes of the Villa game and actually um, my, my my girlfriend my sister went to go and get a drink at the bar by the time that and they left at the table at 2-0 to, uh, to to Villa by the time they <laughs> come back and got drinks and they were like what it's 3-2 <laughs> it was oh, crazy. what an end of the season that was no exactly right and 
I was always thinking, you know, I saw some some pictures as well when this happened. Maybe was it one or two? Uh, two years ago, mm-hmm. where Liverpool lost it on the last day again, and you know Brighton went one 0 up against City, and then you know everyone was so gassed and so excited. I was watching with a Liverpool fan at the time yeah. as well, and then just did not <laughs> did not happen. So there's a photo where it was like I've seen this before, and basically it was Glenn Murray scoring really? <laughs> on that day. So yeah, and. For me, that I felt that when they when they went two 0 up, I'm like, oh, here we go, City's gonna flip a switch, and then uh, this is gonna go all all pear shaped. I mean, the script was there. Coutinho scored. Yeah, you know, former Liverpool. I know. It's I would have loved to have seen it. I know. I would have loved to have seen it. I know. Look, hey, there's always the um, next time, you know. But I just it, it the level of like performance with Man City and Liverpool is outrageous. I read that looking back, Liverpool haven't dropped a point all year since. Like well, I don't know when they last dropped point was, but not in two thousand twenty-two. To have that chase on and Man City still to win, high nineties or whatever the, the scores were, the ninety points. Every season that Man City have won this, or even Liverpool have won it, it's gone to the nineties or whatever. And it's like, you know, Fergie didn't. I think the highest points total he got, I think I was reading earlier, was not even in the nineties. Um, and he won thirteen titles, so it just shows you mm. the dominance of those two. No, it is so, ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, my friend who I was watching is also a Liverpool fan watching the Villa game and made such a such a harsh but such a witty comment. Uh, and it says like, uh-oh, Gerard slipped up again. I was like, oh, yeah, ow, that has got a sting. He's going to be wanting to, he would have wanted to make amends there and with Coutinho on the bench, yeah, no, that's got to hurt. And I don't mind it, don't mind it, mate. I'm happy to watch Gerard cry away. I think it makes me... Makes me very happy indeed. And look, Don't mind at all. didn't didn't get to didn't get to relegate Lampard in the end. But um, I think all in all, actually, I'm I, I, I'd far rather Everton stay up. And I was so done with Burnley. And Everton is such a historic club. Like I was never really had a problem with them. Um, whereas Leeds yeah, and Burnley, I was a bit done me. with. Leeds are quite historic, actually. I'm quite yeah. glad they're up. But you know what I mean. I'm just. I just Sean Dice. I know he's not there anymore, but <laughs> they've stung us too many times. No, exactly. I was about to say, you know, I wanted Leeds to stay up because Burnley, from my point of view, had always been uh, Barcelona, um, Arsenal's basically bogey team, effectively. Yep. So they always found it difficult against them. So when they went down, I was I was happy. I was happy with that result. And luckily, um, Everton were already safe. So I think uh, one of the um, guests you had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago said that if Everton were having to fight for survival on the last day yeah. and we needed to win that game to get Champions League, that would have been a seriously tough game. So I'm glad they had nothing to play for. Effectively. Yeah, and it did feel have a bit of a carnival feel to the day generally. I think we didn't have a lot to play for. It was sunny. Everton certainly didn't mind conceding because and there was a few players. I'm pretty sure they were still drunk. I mean... Um, just because, like, why wouldn't you be? And they were part. The fans were having a great time. Pickford wasn't in the team. Mm. Richarlison, I don't think, played. And it was like, you know, the, I think Richarlison's tweet at five a.m. on oh, sorry, at three a.m. on Friday just shows you how much fun they've been having. Looking <laughs> into Carragher, which I love. So it just, you know, what there wasn't a lot on the game, um, and it, it certainly felt like that. But it was certainly enjoyable to, to watch back. And I think to score five goals is is always nice. There was a bit of a weird rollercoaster journey for the Amer- the Everton fans who was very obviously nervous about Liverpool being in pole position for a short time um, but certainly celebrated mm-hmm. that third goal from City uh, massively in the stands which was quite obvious yeah, actually yeah. in the game watching mm-hmm. um, anyway 
uh, Arsenal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was interesting. Obviously, we went with Tavares. I think we left Ben White out, obviously. Gabriel played. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things we did get to see, which I, I just feel like was such a missed opportunity, was that Tavares, Saka, uh, sorry, Tavares and um, Martinelli link up on the left. I mean, really, when you look back at the games where maybe we started Emil Smith-Rowe and Tavares, but... You know, as soon as Martinelli came on against Newcastle, we we, we took Tavares off, and he just like it's just this as an attacking force. And look, I, I'm very much aware that Everton didn't really have to play for much, and it would have been a very different game had they had to. Um, but they were causing a lot of problems, and I just wonder if Arteta's looking at that, thinking, "Oh, that was that was the opportunity missed." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it goes at least some way to say that that link up between Tavares and Martinelli, they, they're both Portuguese speakers. So they have that point. Just slightly slightly deeper way of communicating with each other. There are some sort of uh, idiosyncrasies or idioms that they can say to each other that only Portuguese speakers would understand. Yep. And I think that goes a long way when you're able to speak to someone on that level. And also um, when you speak to them in your mother tongue as well, you're able to communicate yourself a little bit better as well. You know, Case in point, when Marcelo Bielsa refused to learn English because he just figured out how to express himself in in Spanish. So I think um, with this, with that kind of link up, I think there's definitely something to say that yep, when you have that almost mutual understanding, even though uh, Gabby comes from uh, Brazil and then mm. uh, Tavares from Portugal, there is something that you can mention there as well that he, Tavares wouldn't have with Emil Smith-Rowe. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So it, it, that's actually a really good point. I'd, I'd never really thought about it, but it certainly does work. Whether that's a factor or not, it certainly makes sense, right? I think there was mm. a David Luiz factor when you know we had young kids coming in as well, and then we had we, we are starting to, to to actually have quite a number of different Portuguese players. And if we get an extra Gabriel in, we're going to have like a third of the team being named Gabriel at some point as well. So yeah, yeah. let's see if Jesus <laughs> comes, but we'll we'll get onto that, I'm sure. Um, We've got quite a number of questions, to be honest, and I kind of wanted the majority of that to be going through those because they're quite. The game itself, whilst there a lot happened, wasn't a lot really on it in the end. So I think we should go through the goals. We'll do our man of the match stick of the day, and then we'll crack on and just answer a lot of questions because we've got quite a lot to get through if we can. So um, mm-hmm. let's let's start with the goals. So obviously the the the, the Martinelli penalty. Um, it's quite interesting to see him take it. Yeah, it is, and and I'm glad he did. Um, ironic that it was a Wobi who handballed. I know um, that was funny. I, I thought that was uh, like it just had to be him, didn't it? And then yeah, he he claimed it. So I'm trying to think who took our last penalty beyond Lacazette. Was it Saka? Yeah, yeah, it was. Saka. Yeah, it was all Saka. So I mean, yeah. so Saka did one against Chelsea, the one Man United, and two very good penalties. But I do, I think Martinelli was supposed to take it against Chelsea, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah, overrode it. Yeah, one. so uh, he might oh. have been the designated one. He's gone a bit of a lull recently. He probably was just like, right, let's get this guy a goal, sort of thing. He's he's such a bright I was about player. To say, yeah, I was about to say, get get him a goal, get him going, and yeah, I think I think that was the the right decision as well. It's a good penalty. So you stick them away, you stick them away, and having more than one penalty taker is fantastic because when keepers plan, <clears> of course they're going to plan for for every play in theory. But if you have Saka taking five of your last five penalties the keeper's probably going to study him more. And then if you give Martinelli a go, they probably won't be as prepared in theory. Such a good point. I never thought about that. It's all sorts of different ways you can do it. And I'm, I quite like at the, at the end of the season, I think it was what, it was the penalty shootout, um, the FA Cup Chelsea versus Liverpool. And Jorginho didn't do his jumpy thing. 
And I was like, I wonder if the jumpy mm-hmm. thing is 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 finally just going to go because like whether or not it's effective just does my head in man. Like it just shouldn't be in sport. It's just looks so <laughs> stupid. Like I have no respect for the player that does that anyway. Um, but yeah, good goal, good penalty, put it away well. I think he deserved it. I think he had a good game. Um, it was very early on, obviously, but I, it again didn't didn't lead to much. But I think it kicked off what was what was a very exciting day. Um, mm-hmm. Eddie's Eddie's header. Eddie doing what Eddie does best. Eddie, Eddie using his heady. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> oh, that was terrible, but so great. I don't Thank you. I'm here all week. I'm here all week. Excellent. And I think it's exactly what he's doing. You know, he's, he's a poacher. He's getting it in and making a, a stake for, for his new contract and to mm. stay in the team or in the reverse situation, making other teams look at him and say, wow, we need to get him and we need to offer him a good package. Yeah, um, actually, there's loads of questions on that. So we'll, we'll get onto the Eddie contract, what we do there, what could be happening, the theories around the number 14 mm-hmm. shirt and all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, look, look, Eddie, Eddie's Eddie. Eddie can get in those positions. He's done it over and over again and enough times to prove that it's not luck. And he's had a good end to the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, scored as many goals as Lacazette has all season uh, from a flurry of, what, seven games? Really, he's Ish, other yeah. games that he's got technically he's got appearances for. He's kind of been chucked on and hoped for the best for either a few minutes mm-hmm. or twenty minutes, and I think he's done really well. And I think somebody who's uh, you know trying to get a contract. I mean, if you if you measure that out throughout season, that's probably about twenty goals for a for a striker, and that's probably exactly what we need right now. But again, we'll get onto that. Mm-hmm. But um, so he's looking good and he's looking confident. Um, and then someone else who. <laughs> who stepped up to the plate um lovely little set piece from a corner and cedric scores an absolute worldie yeah i was about to say you know when, when that went in i'm like oh toby's gonna have something to say about this oh, man. <laughs> it's just like oh just like if that if your crossing was as good as that shooting we would have probably score about 10 games every every goal every uh, 10 goals every game Oh man, God, <laughs> does my head in. Um, oh, you know what? And he, he again had a good game. It was fine, but I don't think he had much to do. Uh, and it's always been the defensive, mm-hmm. uh, actually, and offensive stuff that's annoyed me. To be fair, but um, yeah, he, you know, he's been a good servant to the club. But I just don't think we're going to get to the next level or any level really with with him. And he's really interesting thing that came out. He played twenty two games this season, and and that's as many to the number as, as Tommy Yasu and um, I think it's, mm-hmm. it speaks volumes, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's just a real weakness down that channel and not having Tommy Yasu was, was enormous for us. So yeah, very, very, very disappointing, but what a finish. Yeah. Fantastic finish and a good set piece as well. I don't know how you signal, uh, like how Saka signaled that with, with two hands. I've seen him put two hands up before, mm. um, but I think, yes, exactly that. And an ode to our, uh, set piece coach who has done absolute wonders this season i think we've only conceded maybe two or three mm. from set pieces and it was zero for about 80 percent of the season so having him on board has been fantastic and having a whole summer i think it includes a trip to the us for arsenal as well where we can work on those kinds of things we can really get to get to grips with the set pieces and score a lot of goals from them i think gabriel is the the defender with most or the center back with the most goals in the premier league yeah you got a decent chunk of those from corners. So I think that'll be a great strength that we can work on over the summer. Definitely. They're definitely, I think, fair play to him. I think he's probably been one of the signings of the summer season, I should say. I think he, he he's clearly done mad, works to absolute magic. I think we conceded twice from corners. And again, both of those were with seriously, seriously depleted defences. So um, 
yeah, and I think that's fair play to the guys come in and, and revolutionise the way we defend. And hopefully that's not going to happen next season. I think we'll hopefully continue what we can do. Um, uh, we, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know what, Cedric's come on and scored a worldie and fair play to him. But I just hope, I hope, you know, we don't let that influence what contract we may or may not be giving him. And I hope not. But um, we, we conceded amongst mm-hmm. those goals. I think it was at 2-0. So, um mm-hmm. Donny van der Beek popped up with, with a goal after what looked like to me um a, a Rob Holding howler. I don't know if he didn't know someone was behind him, he just sort of let it go and I don't know what you thought. Yeah. I think I think it was something like that. I I think Rob Holding, he could have cleared it himself, but then maybe felt that if Gabriel's behind me in a better position, he can just whack it away with his right foot and then we're done. And so as a result left it, which when the ball's going across a six yard box as a centre back, you never should really do. But maybe he misinterpreted a shout from Ramsdale or Gabriel or someone else shouted and he thought it was mm. Gabriel. I'm not too sure, but it seemed like a, a Rob Holding howler. Yeah, it did. It did. But ultimately, I suppose it didn't really matter. I was kind of happy for Donny van der Beek. Sounds like he's had a rough time. Um, mm-hmm. but... No, as was I. I'd, it was a point where I'd liked, I would have liked him at all. Yeah, yeah. Class player, as far as I'm concerned. I know he's been injured quite a lot. Um, my housemates and Everton fans said that he's been really good when he's played, but difficulty is getting him playing. And um, is he on loan? Mm-hmm. He is on loan, right? So we're going back to Man United. Fair play. Um, uh, then the third, the fourth goal, I should say, is is, is Gabriel's uh, striker of a goal. I mean, that touch. <laughs> yeah. Who passed it through? I'm just trying to remember. Was it Cedric? I can't. Uh, I can't remember. Um, can't remember. You know, but the, the the touch and then smash with his left foot is sensational really i mean it's kind of what we've been lacking from certain other members and it takes him up to five goals this season which puts him on a par with lacazette Bamiang, and and eddie and i can't remember the exact numbers but it's like god that's <laughs> you know it's right. something to think about here yeah um, and mm. then he always busts out the celebration as well you know this guy is expecting to score so he's got them all saved he up certainly does i remember the goat one he did against west ham and uh yeah um, yeah look if if him getting five goals i mean I wonder what we have to do this summer, is, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, great finish, actually. I think he's been chipping up with a lot of goals and fair play to him. and um, Certainly something we've needed. And uh, I, one thing that whilst we haven't had that central striker that's been you know, completely dominant, or we haven't had that Kane, we haven't had that Son, uh, thinking of, you know, like we haven't had those players. Um we have actually had quite a lot of players scoring mid-volume goals. Like our midfielders have all chipped in, defenders have done quite well. Um, you know, it's definitely something that we needed to address last season. Because remember, well, the season before, even remember when Abamyang was the only one scoring. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's good that we've we've got the rest of the team chipping in. It just seems that we've got that piece of the puzzle that we need to fit in. Mm-hmm. No, exactly right. I think Smith Rose, you know, pretty much up there. I think Saka ended up our top scorer. He did, yeah. If I'm mistaken. Mm. Um, and then Smith Rose just behind him, Gab- Gabby Martinelli with a few goals. Our centre backs. I think it's been. I think it's been a season where we've had to rely on more players getting yeah. on the act. Certainly, yeah. and well, the best the best way to look at that is actually Martin Odegaard. He scored the last and final goal, and what a goal that was! Lovely finish. And there have been some situations where I think he he should have scored when when he hasn't um i think finishing is definitely something that he can work definitely. on and he he can definitely make the space shift it onto his left foot without any problem it's just finding that finish but it was a lovely goal lovely stroke home lovely 
nestled finish in the corner and then he runs off and taps a badge and uh shows that he loves the arsenal which we always love i do love to see it he's scored a few important goals this season but i i'm wary that he like he i think particularly the last couple of games when it's been newcastle and spurs there's a couple of times in those bad runs where he's been quite silent and he's been very very quiet um Mm -hmm. and i think that's not all his fault but i don't want him to become a a nice to have player i don't want him to be a meza erzl Mm -hmm. kind of figure towards the back end of Arsenal, you know, where it was like, well, he on his day, and when we're playing really well and we're 3 0 up, you know, it's all hunky dory. He can be world class, but, mm-hmm. but other than that, if your back's against the wall, he's kind of a ghost, and it's like playing with 10 men. And look, I'm not saying it's there yet. Okay. I don't think it's there yet. Um, but he has gone missing in a couple of those games. And look, when you're playing with the, the back five or back six, kind of a thing, you know, with all the way from Tavares, Cedric, um, Mm-hmm. holding and that sort of stuff when you're playing backs against the wall stuff it's uh it's not quite his game but um you know he, he was well mm-hmm. he was class and i think he's got that that goal shows that he's got everything in, in the locker that to be really really good so i can't wait to see him next season i i you know as regular listeners to the podcast will know again i'm odegaard's biggest fanboy mm. and i love the the silkiness of it and i love how he drifts in and out of spaces his little trickeries his nutmegs i i absolutely love it and mm. i can't wait to see him build next season then who knows maybe he'll get that extra boost and extra oomph mm. from becoming made the the club captain who knows that'll i think be a he will bit of a, a i really really mm. think he will um what's going on here? yeah so i i i think he's been class and um uh, he's he's kind of exemplifies everything that Arteta wants in a human being slash football player. He's going yeah. like a head boy, <laughs> goody two shoes, quite aggressive though, uh, but in the right way. You know, um, and if you had a child yeah. that you wanted to have like this kind of model boyfriend, yeah, that's it. yeah, 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 literally, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I'd happily have him as that. But that that was the game anyway, and they, they've got a lot of good questions. I'd like to move on to quite quickly because I think really when you get to this stage of the season and once that game had been done, I, I, there's not, on well, the last game of the season, you haven't really got, you, you can't really learn anything. Um, you know, we, we've learned everything we had to all season. It's about just trying what, what we can then do moving forward and try and finish on a good note. And I guess one thing would, to say would be, it seemed like, um, and I've certainly been listening to something like the Arsenal Vision podcast and the guys that were there um, said at the end, normally what happens is, some people stay and watch the lap of honour and stay for all those bits at the end of the season. Um, it seemed like a solid 90% of the Arsenal fans, if not more, actually stayed and clapped everyone off, which, you know, there has been this sort of disheartening, as I mentioned at the beginning, there has been this sort of um, difference of opinion since we definitely confirmed, really, that we weren't getting top four. And you don't want that to start creeping back, as I mentioned in the, beginning of the podcast, but actually in the stadium, it's a very different experience. I think it seemed like the unity still there. And it's a far better atmosphere I've pretty, ever seen it, pretty much ever seen it. And there's a lot of factors that go into that, but it's quite a nice touch at the end. And they sync, signed off by playing um, North London forever. So, very, mm-hmm. very touching. 100%. And it's always great to end the season on that note. I always remember Arsenal Wenger's farewell, where everyone stayed and there were balloons and we beat Burnley like 5-1, you know, speaking about Burnley as our bogey team. And we sent them off in a good way and there was... Uh, a lot of good feeling around the club at that point in terms of feeling towards Arsene Wenger and what he had done. And I think ending the season on that note, we got the flash new kit on on display and we just beat the team 5-1. Uh, 
I think it's the, the right way to end it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just getting a few notifications here. So it looks like Bernd Leno is going for 8 million to Benfica. There you go. Okay. Pretty good. Um, we'll get into this bit with details just because it popped up. I think that's really interesting. I think that'd be a really good bit of business to you. I think so. I would have liked a little bit more, maybe double figures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think burnt going is the answer. And then I think uh, we've got our academy keeper who's been on the bench a couple of times that we can bring through. Yeah. Maybe sign a little bit of competition. I don't know if uh, Runison is on loan or we sold him, um, but he might come back and then have to compete. So I think that's the way it goes. I think Arteta obviously values Ramsdale and when you're burnt Leno and then sort of getting into the twilight yeah. in that sense. I think that's the right move. I agree. I agree. I look, eight million for a player who I think has got one year left in his contract. I just think is a lot better. Than, it's a no yeah, it's a lot better business to be done previously. I'd, I'd take that. And um, you know, he's been a really good player for the club, and I think we've upgraded um, certainly for, for, for the long term. So not bad. Um, mm-hmm. Man of the match. Who's your man of the match? Oh, good question. Man of the match. I'm gonna give it to to Gabriel. You know, been absolutely solid. Mm not in just that match, but all season, got his fifth goal and was really racking it up and, and proving to be a very strong leader at the age of 22-23. So, very excited by him. I agree. What about you? Yeah, it's good. He had a really good game. I think Martinelli had a good game. I'll actually give it to El Nenny. I thought El Nenny was really good again. Just ticking things along, doing exactly what you need to against, naturally, a you know big caveat to that is a team that was... Sorry, do you mean uh, El Nenny El Nenny or... Oh, what can I say, mate? Uh, oh, okay. if, the, if the game need, needed uh, meant more than that, then then maybe I would have given them that title today. But yeah, let, let's not let's <laughs> not pretend that um, Everton weren't already at the pub. Um, you know, they, yeah. they were celebrating in yeah. some style, and rightly so, you know. so. Um, but I think ultimately, you can only play with a minute in front of you and you had a good game. Um, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, really happy for him. I think it's very wise to extend his contract. It sounds like that's all done. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if you, he sounds like he's very happy to play number, what, probably the sixth midfielder role, um, <laughs> by the time we finish this, this season. So, um, yeah, we've got a lot to do this summer and if he's part of that and has to play the Europa League, then so be it. So I think he'd be a good partner mm-hmm. for Patino when we're playing like Vodiscor away or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, dick of a day. Dick of the day, I'm going to give it to Steven Gerrard. Um, <laughs> blowing, blowing a 2-0 lead. And then after those comments about Saka as well, you know, I just I just felt it had to be him. Yeah. I would have loved it. The script is all there for him to redeem it and effectively win a title for Liverpool uh, by proxy. But then, no, it just wasn't to be. Sorry, Stevie. Yeah, another another slip. Another Premier League title goal, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it to Timo Pukki. You know, I think... Just when you need him to score a double hat trick, he he goes and fluffs his lines. So, Timo, if you're listening to listen to this, you're our dick of the day, unfortunately, my friend. <laughs> you know how good would that have been? I'm just like thinking, like imagine Six how goals. long did it take City to score three goals, like five minutes? So if all he needed was ten minutes, yep. um, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, let's do some questions. Come on, let's 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 do these then. So, do do you want to kick us okay, off? You, you have you select first. I'll select first. No, this you time. go first. I'll select first this time. Um, simple one then. Let's start with Mickey Sanchez. Eighteen says transfer targets for this summer. Yeah, great question. Um, I like I've said, I want Dybala at Arsenal for all the wrong reasons. Um, but I would love to see that. I think not getting Champions League footballs put a dent in that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, Gabby Jesus. I'd rather. 
Gabby than, uh, for example, maybe thinking about Lewandowski, which is like 0.1% chance of happening. Yeah, it's not happening. Um, unfortunately, but I just think we need that player who runs the channels. And I think Gabby just has that scoring edge over Eddie at this point, but he still does the running of the channels and he still knows how to link up play. Mm. So I think Gabby there and then a central midfielder as well. So I think there are rumours about uh, Stilkai Ilkai coming over to... yeah. Uh, Arsenal as well, which I'm not sure about, but I wouldn't be wouldn't be adverse to it. I definitely entertain the thought. Um, but I'd say definitely Gabby's in there, um, as central midfielders in there, potentially, you know, almost a player position in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um I would love a Serge Gnabry as well. Because <laughs> if Gabby and Emil Smith Rowe get injured, then I, I would love to see that, especially with Pepe finding a new agent and potentially mm. going on the move. I mean, uh, look, we've we've basically just raided um, Man City and then obviously trying to get Serge Gnabry, who's probably going to go to Real Madrid. So that's one of those things that if we cut that up and put it on Twitter or YouTube, it would get circulated by Chelsea, United, Spurs fans thinking we're unrealistic. And I think that's a dream lineup, but I think it's incredibly unrealistic. I I, I tell you what, I mean, look, if we, positionally, we need. I think we need two centre forwards, maybe one headline, i.e. Gabriel Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. and one, perhaps even Eddie, not adverse to him being second striker as long as he's cool with it. Um, but the centre forward clearly is the, you know, if you look at all the metrics this season, the missed chances, the XG we had versus the ones we missed, the shot conversion, it all points to us needing centre forward. And you're absolutely right, someone that can run the channels, but it's still an aerial threat. It's someone that I think is going to have to be key. And Gabriel Jesus can mm-hmm. can still do wide things, which is something that we need as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to have him in. I think he'd slot right in. We've got a bit of a Brazilian theme happening at the moment, you know? A bit of a Gabby yeah, theme yeah. as well. But it happens a lot. It's, it's it's really a thing. And, you know, I think the Brazilians in particular are really tight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've heard that David Luiz was kind of the centre of the social hub and you always had different, um, you know, teams, from, Brazilians from all around uh, the Premier League visiting mm-hmm. and they'd all, you know, have barbecues and stuff like that. So, um so, so forward, obviously, I think we need probably two top top class central midfielders. One for for when party's not available, <laughs> um, yeah. and another one like if mate, if we can get Gundogan, I would I'll chop my own head off, mate. Honestly, it was I I, I, I don't <laughs> think that's realistic at all. I I, I think Gabriel Jesus is um, because he needs to be playing constantly, and he needs to be our first a, a first choice because it's World Cup this year. I think it wasn't World Cup year. I think we'd have less chance. Um, so I don't think Spurs make sense for him. They've got Kane and Son in those exact positions. So it makes no sense. Um, whereas, you know, he, he will be the guy at Arsenal and, you know, the Mikel links there. Mm-hmm. Gundogan is, um, I think that would be a really dream style of player, at least. So I think an attacking mm-hmm. option when there's slightly less creative options that we're that are dwindling. We can't quite get a goal. I mean, you look at the last day of the season, he's clearly that, that player. But I'm certainly not holding out for that. I do think that is just someone's putting a square. Someone's just gone, oh, Conduan's leaving. Oh, Arteta needs a strike, needs a needs an attacking midfielder or a defender that can shorten, you know. And mm-hmm. I think I don't think that's realistic. Um, but I do think we do need two central midfielders. I think we need a first choice left back. Like, and I say mm-hmm. that because Tierney has been out for most of the season and it's not it's not a problem that we solved i don't think Tavares is completely ready to take that over yet um although i do think he's exciting and i think he'll be you know he'll have more of the Europa league because really i think you probably have to plan for tierney to be injured for 50 percent of the season 
And I don't think Tierney, mm-hmm. Tavares is ready to have 50% of that. I think we need a right back. Um, I think we need to get rid of Cedric. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I think probably, I think, I think probably, probably all we need. I think you've got a lot of width in a lot of the players we've mentioned there. Um, as well, obviously, we've got Saliba coming back as a centre back. Uh, happy to have mm-hmm. Holding as that fourth centre back, I think. Um, Reese Nelson. Reese Nelson is coming back. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I I think Saliba will come back. Um, I think his his quote was mistranslated, uh, but it's interesting because mm-hmm. obviously Guendouzi is the other one who's supposed to be coming back, also, and Torreira. Torreira. So, what we do with them is certainly going to be very interesting. Um. But look, in terms of positions we need, I, I, I do think it, those are the ones highlighted. Centre forward, two centre mids, a left back and a right back. Uh, potentially mm. a centre back. Potentially. Um, yeah. On outgoings, and so Millie uh, Gilardini, Gallardoni, apologies, Millie, um, says, are Arsenal considering selling Gabriel? I read Juventus want him for a swap deal. I have read quite a lot about this. Um, I must say, I'm, I'm not overly confident on the credibility of this source i've i've that, seen that mm-hmm. journalist and looked into a little bit more detail and he um he certainly has some fruity opinions um <laughs> about some, <laughs> some transfers that are very unlikely but sorry so what, what do you think yeah i don't think there's there's much truth in that either i think he's just had a baby the baby is is now with, with the mom and i think they, they live in london and i think he's very settled he's in the arsenal team he's playing he feels part of the project. He's got good relationships with the club. I would be very surprised if he then swaps that. And I'd be interested as to why he would swap that, mm. especially in terms of, you know, if it's Champions League, he came to ask um, well, when we weren't in the Champions yeah. League. Um, so if you're playing now, but still getting into the Brazil squad without playing Champions League, then I'd be interested as to why you're swapping it. And I think just his relationship with the club and where he sees it going, I think he's going to stay, especially, I'd say, for, for family reasons. Yeah, I just, apart from anything else, I, I just don't think we'd sell him. <laughs> I really, really don't. No. Um, just look at the Italian league. Did Juventus not get top four? They did. They did. Juventus got, they did, yeah. So, I mean, he would be going to Champions League. I, you know, I could only see, the only situation I could see that happening is if he really pushed through a deal. But, you know, I, I think we could learn something from Spurs, um, as much as I hate to say it. The way they dealt with Harry Kane, he pushed and pushed and pushed, and they ultimately mm-hmm. just said no. And, um, you know, whilst he had a bit of a dodgy start to the season, they've got top four because they've got those two players in Kane and so on. And unfortunately, that's the difference. And I think if we're going to have any chance next season, I think, of, of going for a top four spot, we're going to need to add to that centre-back position. But we're also going to have to also um, keep our best players, and that includes Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But also swap deal, they 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 have said that I think with the fees included. But I just wonder who for. Like, what are they thinking? Like, I don't, I don't. It's yeah. not anyone I'd really. It'd have to be a different position. I mean, delict. Uh, yeah, I mean that would be. I don't Maybe. think they, they. They're just not going to do that, though, are they? No, surely not. Um, but yeah. So, um, any question from you? Any any question you want us to go through? Yeah, a good one I was looking at is uh, from Jack underscore Fisher 99. So your favorite win of the season. Wow. I think it had to be Man United, you know. 
I was looking back to the Spurs game, yeah. and that was class. But there was something about that Xhaka goal um, and the way the game was going, it was on a knife edge. And I think it was just at a time when Man United really did look like they were going to score. Um, and it felt like it meant so much to, to the Champions League hopes. Obviously, hindsight says that actually it didn't matter in the end, but, but, but it felt like it meant so much at the time. So I think the day of just being at the uh, in, in and around the Emirates and soaking up the atmosphere, it's personally what I, I enjoyed the most, I think. What, what about you? Yeah, you know, the United one is, is a good one. Um, otherwise, I, I like the the West Ham one, mm. just in the sense that we won ugly, and I liked how we could win ugly. Yeah. So that's what the best teams have to do. I found that, you know, also times have lacked that sort of street-wiseness and getting cramp, and then, but not really having cramp. Yeah. And then, but winning it, just winning it to win it. And I think that kind of victory is what, it's going to get us the top four next season, in my opinion. So I think that was a good, good win, not because it was pretty, um, but because we, we got the, the job done. Uh, but in terms of like aesthetic and just really nice wins, I think the Spurs win at the Emirates was fantastic. Oh yeah. So that would probably be my favorite. Yeah. I think particularly, I mean, that, that certainly is my second favorite. I do, I do think it was because um, at the time, if you remember, we were on a bit of a stop the rot sort of scenario. We'd lost the first three games. I think mm-hmm. we'd, then gone and beaten Watford, maybe. I can't quite remember. And it was just like, okay. I think now it was Norwich. Norwich, yeah, that was it. 1-0, wasn't it? Yeah, Bamiyang sort of scramble over the I line. I was there. Yeah. Oh, were you? Nice. Yeah, 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 I can imagine it was quite a nervous, nervous atmosphere. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was kind of like, right, we need to actually prove ourselves here. The team is fit. Um, you're kind of ready to go. So, um, good game. Good options. Very good options. The, the difficulty of the Spurs one is that ultimately... You know, it, it ended up, oh. it, it, you know, I have flash forwards from that game <laughs> to what actually happened in the end. Yeah. So, tough, tough. Um, Tanya Fozard asks, who would you take from the Burnley, Watford or Norwich squad? You can pick one player per team. She says she'd take McNeil, Dennis or Foster. Foster's a very interesting one. Or, and and Aaron's. Mm. So I I really agree with Max Ahrens. I think he's a very mm-hmm. good player and kind of for what the project, for want of a better phrase, is. Um, and positionally, uh, I think he would be a really good choice. And I think it would be yeah. silly not to at least explore that if we haven't got many other options. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And, you know, this is when, you know, part of me was like, oh, let Leeds go down. Because I would have maybe looked into getting a bit of a Calvin Phillips on the cheap. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that could have been an interesting choice. But then from that squad, yeah, Max Ahrens is definitely one that jumps out at me. Um, is Todd Cantwell still in the Norwich Yeah, squad? I think he's a bit of a character. And I don't think he's done that well, as far as I'm aware. Not that I watch Norwich on a daily basis. Um, no, I mean, hasn't, you know... Uh, sort of rung any alarm bells or anything, but I think he was a boyhood Arsenal fan, which does help. Yeah. But I think we do have people in those positions, so that's what would be would be stopping me. But Max Aaron. Yeah. Well, Todd Cantwell's twenty four now, you know, which I'm looking mm. at now, and it's actually blown my mind a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think I think that's it. And then what about Watford and Burnley? Yeah, good question. So Ben Ben Foster's an interesting one. Yeah. He's just a bit of a character. Um, then Burnley, yeah. Well, well, well Watford... Cause, I'm cause, looking at the, one of their defenders, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, so 
So, so, so Ben Foster, we've already got that American. I think it's Matt Turner. The good point. Yeah, yeah, that's coming, the one. But I think he may go on loan. That might be Trusty doing the same thing as well. But um, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind like an experienced backup goalkeeper, and that him and, and Ramsdale seem to be fancy mates. Although I don't know if I could deal with that YouTube, like the YouTuber. Yeah, I mean, Sacrament yeah, no, so I'm not sure I could deal with that. Um, to, in in the in the team, maybe that's just me. I, I like Tarkovsky. Um, yeah, I must say I think Ben Mee has had very good games, um, and certainly could do a job. Um, when we are mm-hmm. down certain, you know, depths Rob of squad, Rob Holding esque, yeah. Um, but again, very different sort of players. So, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, if we're gonna have to choose, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say. Tarkovsky, Dennis, um, and Max Ahrens. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, get I raiding away. Yeah, off we go. Let's get pillaging. Yeah. Uh, another question? Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. Um, so there was one I quite liked. Um, is top four a must next season? Who asked that? Who do we have? Is it? Inks K Gill. Inks Kiggle. Inks Kiggle. Yeah. Um Kiggle. Sounds good. Uh yes, I I I basically think. I I again it's it's the manner in which it happens. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, I I fully, fully accept that um whilst I think January was a massive floor this season, um I think in retrospect, we definitely could have used the opportunity to get ahead. I also, at the same time, very much accept that, you know, this is, we've done that before and it's completely compounded us and we've overspent on players that have ended up not being good, not a good fit. Um, People who have not really been bought into the project, but ultimately are, you know, and we've had those people, those people in the dressing room for years and it's been awful for us. So I get that you kind of want to start again and only get the right players with the right attitude, who fit the right system. Um, so I can I can get that. I get why we had a thin squad. Um, not that I'm over the moon about it, but I can understand it, um, particularly if we're learning from previous lessons. Whereas um, I think mm-hmm. by the time of this transfer window's ended, and it sounds like we're going to be spending a lot, with the platform we've got, with Europa League available... Um, with the hopeful, hopefully squad development, I think it will be what Arsenal's sorry, Arteta's third full season. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's time you've got to capitalize in it now. I don't think there's any excuses. Um, and I think we can. I don't forget we've got, we've got, I should say, sorry, top four isn't necessarily um, necessary, but. Uh, getting into the mm. Champions League years and say that's obviously we've got Europa League to, to be able to do that too which is I think crucial yeah no agreed and I think for me getting into the Champions League will be the hallmark of a good season for Arsenal next season maybe a bit of a cup run uh it was a bit disappointed with that this year and then getting far enough in the Europa League giving those Arsenal fans a European away day once again I think would be fantastic. And hopefully the finals aren't held in the far-flung stretches of Baku, but rather in a, a, a little bit more of an accessible region yeah. where we can go and support the boys should we should we get there. And I think that'll be great. And because we have those two avenues, we have the Europa League and we have the top four, mm. although we'll be playing more games, I think that should definitely 
be one of our top priorities that we we get into the Champions League. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That really needs to be that needs to be it next season. There's kind of no excuses anymore. You know, those young players are getting more experienced. We can hopefully add some real quality to it. So we'll see. But I think the caveat to that is it depends what happens this summer. I think. Like mm-hmm. if we don't have a good summer of transfer windows, I think we have to re reassess where we are and, and what we're doing. Um which is definitely a possibility. If we can't get the top players, then you know, I I do see a, 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 a cry for maybe getting a top, top tier manager that's been there and done it to try and woo those players in, because otherwise I think we will only sink sink a bit further. But I, I don't necessarily think that in its entirety, mm-hmm. but there's definitely something to be said for that at least. Um, mm-hmm. You asked a question. I did. Um, well, first, yeah, do you want to ask that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my question was based on uh, Gabriel Martinelli, and I was one of you know the theories about. I've definitely heard in recent interviews that, or in interviews that he's done, that Gabby wants a number fourteen shirt. You know, that's like a legendary mm-hmm. number at Arsenal. That's what he was going for, and why he went for or was given or was suggested to take the number 11 and not the number 14. Interesting, because Emil Smith-Rowe was given number 10 when asked for it. Mm -hmm. I do think 14 is um, very symbolic. Very, very, very symbolic. So to have... I mean, ultimately, I don't know how much it matters, but it does feel like it matters. Um, And I... Mm -hmm. Um, if he has asked for it and they have said, no, you can have number 11 for now and maybe it's a performance-based thing, for, you know, if you score X amount of goals or if you have that, you know, maybe that's a part of it. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think 11 suits his position at least. It does. Um, and so then my thinking would be, if you're not going to give it to Gabby, who are you going to give it to? Yeah. You know, Gabby's going to be with us. He loves the club. He wants to push on forward and get that iconic that iconic status within the Arsenal ground. So maybe maybe something to do, maybe it's just a bit raw with a Bamiang at the moment. Yeah, I think um, that could be it. Not too sure. Could be it. But I mean there was a rumor going around that Enketia was getting it because on I don't know if you've seen the Fantasy Premier League app, um Enketia is actually down as being number fourteen now. Um mm. and people are going a bit crazy about it. But what's actually happened is like Saka's number seventy seven and at the time when this was made okay. Um, Inketia was on loan at Leeds at number four, as number fourteen. Um, okay, okay. And and I think that's kicked off rumours. And I guess the question would be is if you're keeping Eddie, um, and he's happy to be number two striker, would you give him number fourteen if that's his terms? See, I, I wouldn't. I don't think. Um, I would give him a different number. But I don't know. Mm. Number fourteen sounds like you you want to start, and if I'm not giving it to Gabby, why should I give it to Eddie if he's then going to play number two striker? That wouldn't really make sense. I agree, but let's play out two scenarios to you. So, would you accept mm-hmm. Eddie getting the number fourteen shirt with him understanding that he'll be number two, so him accepting that he won't be mm-hmm. a starting striker, or just let him go completely? Yeah, ultimately, so in like that case... it feels emotionally like I'm like. Yeah, I, I'd rather him go, but oh, that's so. That feels quite petulant when it is. Ultimately, it's just a number. Yeah, but it does mean it so much. Number, so it's weird, isn't it? I was about to say it's sort of saying like it is just a number, but then it's obviously not just a number because that would be one of his terms. Um, 
So in that case, if it's number 14 or bust, I would definitely consider it. I don't know what my final decision would be. Um, but then in that case, it's not just a number. Mm. So we'd have to consider why he wants it. And then, you know, what does that single out or signal out to the rest of them? I mean, we did give Saliba the number four and then he did go out on loan um, or back, you know, again to Marseille and then we gave it to Benny White and then we've just given Torreira's yeah, number I was to about Martinelli. To say. <laughs> so, yeah, Torreira must be at this uh, point. It's an interesting he one. actually responded on this yeah. on the... Yeah, he did, so, yeah. Uh, um, just got some news breaking actually whilst we're talking about this. Richard Garlick, whose main roles entails negotiations, contracts and between existing players and new players and all that sort of stuff, is um is pressing ahead in talks with in order to secure uh the long term futures of Saliba, Martinelli and Saka. Okay. There you go. Well, I appreciate that's, that. That's come from Football London as well, so that's what Chris Chris Wheatley and the gang, and that's, that's a very good source. So mm-hmm. um but I guess the question is, what what does that mean? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. he's pressing heads. What does it mean? It. You know, I want to I want to hear them secured. So, <laughs> um, alrighty, another question. Um, Tiramisu, <laughs> great name, has said, "Who do we? Who, who do you hope we sign, and who can we realistically sign uh, without you know, for Champions League this summer?" So. What I want to dive into here really is more of the aspect of who we can sign without Champions League. And I think mm-hmm. the reason why I wanted to pose this is because I think, personally, everything rests on Gabriel Jesus. Like If we can get Gabriel Jesus early, that's a statement. I think that's a real statement of intent. Um, mm. And I think we're going to need a couple of those in order to bring in some good players because it looks like we've got a big project coming in. If we sign... I don't know, averageplayer.com. And if we get, I don't know. And then I just don't know what it looks like to everyone else. I don't know what kind of statement that's making. But if you get, you know, Jesus and T elements in quite quickly, say, then mm-hmm. um, that certainly would be pretty yeah. good. No, I definitely see that. And that's a good way to think about it. And I think I think I mentioned on, on the last podcast as well is that Gabby Jesus seems to be more enticed by the project, whether we get Champions League or Europa League doesn't matter which one we got, and we've got the Europa League, unfortunately. But I think he's more enticed with Arteta, his pay package, the club, the project. He'll be the main man, as you said. So I think that won't rest too much on the Champions League. I think a transfer like Dybala rests on the Champions League. Um, Tielemans also seems to be resting on the Champions League, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, but hopefully we can push that through. So I think, as you say, if we get a Jesus and a Tielemans in, that'll be a fantastic statement to then take into account and say, listen, these person, these uh, these players have jumped onto the ship. Why don't you just do it as well? We've got everything mm. here just without um, the Champions League for it. And this is how we're going to make up for it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and personally, we mentioned this earlier in the podcast, he, he, he's, he, he's got to get into the World Cup squad. He needs somewhere he's going to be that main man. I'm going mm-hmm. to go into that. So. Um, but yeah, we've got a Brazilian collective. It's London. It's going to get paid really well. He will be playing every week. There's, there's a lot of ups. Um mm-hmm. It is just that Champions League thing, and I hope that doesn't end up being an issue. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be, but we've we've been hurt before, so <laughs> um, I'm ready to get hurt again. I'm ready to get hurt again, absolutely. Um, Arthur Pappy says, "Do you believe Marquinhos uh, is a signing to make the impact now, or two, three years down the line?" Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, to be honest, I don't know much about him. Um, no, I think from what I've read. Marquinhos is going to be immediately loaned when he comes to Arsenal uh, to somewhere in Europe, get that experience. I think 
two or three years time, you'll start tearing it up. Um, I'd be very intrigued if you started doing it now. Um, maybe he'll come to training and Arteta will be just mm. blown away and then try and play him. But I think he's a two or three year time kind of player to make a true and real impact. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's 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 probably the the, the, the sensible option. Um, so I think he's an attacker as well. And we're quite width wise, quite well stocked with young players. And I think we're probably going to have to add a bit more into the mix now just to, to be able to do that from, from maybe an experienced or, you know, progressive marquee signing perspective. And I think yeah, sending him out on loan is probably wise. Um, I've noticed that since Brexit, we've really gone after um, quite a lot of South American players, which which was always going to be predicted, I think. But it seems like we in particular have mm-hmm. gone after it for young players. Um, I think we've really upped the there. Yeah, well, that of course. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, Makes a lot of sense. I think one of the reasons was it was like um, Sao Paulo was seen potentially for Arsenal as like a potential feeder club. Mm. Uh, they start producing these players and then you know with edu having links there we then just sort of start picking and prying at their their best players but only rumors at that sense definitely yeah it makes a lot of sense um let's do let's do one more so charlie rug seven uh says part of me thinks that europa league is perhaps actually better for this young team at this stage real chance to win it what do you think about that yeah, I think as you mentioned uh, last week, Toby, that it can be a very good stepping stone to get into the Champions League. Is that mm. the squad will have those European nights, those big games, those away days. Potentially, some players have their first taste of a European evening, but also for us, we'll be able to rotate the squad more as well. We'll get a Sambi Lokonga getting playing. We might get a Charlie Patino in there, mm. and we're able to rest players to a certain extent. Whereas in the Champions League, I think we'd be absolutely hundred percent full blast for every single game i don't think you get away with resting a squad in any of the squad games um or any of the sort of group stages i should say so i think Europa league will still give us time to adjust to it to get used to the traveling and also to be able to still have those experiences as a team and get those and also have a really good chance of getting further in the competition which will which brings me flashbacks of olympiacos but we don't want to talk about that yeah so no that's not <laughs> i think Getting getting further on will be fantastic. You know, seeing your team in a quarterfinal, semifinal of a you know a European competition is fantastic, and hopefully a final where you win it. So, yeah, I yeah. think that'll be uh, a good way to look at it. Is that as a stepping stone and a good learning experience and a good bonding experience for the team? Yeah, I think so, and I think um, you know it's a cup we can win. <laughs> I think ultimately, and mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, I should say that obviously the caveat is we we'd have rather everyone would rather have a Champions League. That's the goal the players you can have access to, the dream, and it's the hope. It's not even necessarily the actual results. It's more the hope that is part of the fun um, because, you know, it's not something we've ever won. But um, mm-hmm. And the players will be gutted, by the way. I, they will be so upset that mm-hmm. we make it. it. Ultimately, couldn't quite get over the line. So, But going into next season, I think they'll be refreshed. They'll have a summer off, and I think there's an opportunity to, to, to win it. And I think that'll be a, definitely one of, the, one of the goals going into the season. So, so I'm very much looking forward to it. So... Um, and that, that's that's the season, mate. That is mm-hmm. that, that is that is us. I mean, I think so. Um, let's let's leave it there. I think we've gone for nearly an hour now. And last time we took, I think, what an hour and a half of everybody's life. So let's leave it there. Um, and we'll we'll get something sorted for a season uh, roundup uh, next next. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, yeah, I just wanted to to share some like women's news as well quickly. Yeah, sure. Um, Sorry, that's what I meant. Just leaving the men's, and then yeah. 
yeah no worries so then yeah the main one is um the goat the greatest the uh, uh the absolute dutch legend that is viv miedemar signed a new contract absolutely uh, i think that is super super good news and you know something that was not guaranteed and uh, people have asked also why only a year i think that's more um of viv miedemar's decision rather than arsenal's you know if arsenal could give her 10 years i think they probably would yeah um but then she wants a year just to see like this is where i want to win trophies and if it's not going then then that's how it goes um and yeah, a lot of wholesome content coming out of her interview especially about how winning trophies with arsenal is means more than winning it simply with barcelona or psg and she definitely turned down lucrative offers from them and i think that'll be uh a good almost good way to win the the brownie points from the fans as if she didn't have any of the fans on her side to begin with uh so i think having this kind of commitment to the club and love for the club is, is fantastic to see and will only come through in her game and allows us a figurehead to build around and also you know talking about statement signings in the men's game this is a statement signing in itself and we can say listen you can go play with people like Viv Miedemar and make yourself a better player so come join us we've tied her to the project we can convince her we can probably convince you yeah, hundred percent. I think that's there are parallels in the men's game there as well. And just by doing that, apart from anything else, extremely early lays down an absolute marker of what other what other signings we could bring in. And you know, we are so close. I mean, just mm-hmm. falling short by a point. You know, you look back at that Birmingham game, you're thinking, God, could we? <laughs> it's absolutely heartbreaking. And um, goodness gracious. Um, who else is in the uh, in the mix? Perhaps is there anyone that you think is uh, either an outsider or somebody that you could think we could bring in that could, could get us above Chelsea in the in the pecking order? Yeah, it's a good question. At the moment, um, I am not too sure, but I definitely feel that a team of Arsenal's mm-hmm. caliber and history and the way the women's game is moving, I think Arsenal could definitely go and pinch a few players mm. from some of the the other top teams and. Um, We've also got a strong sort of Scandinavian cohort, so definitely we could look over there. Mm. Um, there are as a strong Aussie cohort, we could look for those kinds of players within Europe, and I, I think that that'll be the key. So I think for us, strengthening uh, potentially the the wide options, we could see, as I said, Jordan Nobbs, who unfortunately has been ruled out with her a knee injury from the Lionesses squad. I think we could strengthen there. Uh, we're also going to have Rafaela Souza back. Um, have off. From her injury, she was a you know left-sided centre-back who was dominating the play when uh, she was in the team. Potentially, our goalkeeper could go as well, so we mm-hmm. might need to get a backup from there. And we've got some low knees returning, so we'll have Lisa Evans from West Ham returning, as well as um, one of our academy players. Her name is escaping me at the moment. Um, so I think those will be fantastic to investigate as well. So for me, in terms of player names, I can't actually name any at the moment, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we went and pinched some players from these top European teams. Yeah, you'd like to see it. You'd like to see it. Like kind of like a Gabriel Jesus signing would just be like really, really helpful. Those that are really top top level, but because they're playing for the likes of Barcelona, mm-hmm. find it struggle to 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 play those um you know the the all of the minutes Systems. that they would like to, you know, exactly. So um you know, pinch them because that's what we need. But unfortunately Chelsea are just that team that do have all the money and they have Emma Hayes and they have that sort of structure in the the breadth of trophies that they've won and they are at the top of the game. So the quicker that we can steal Sam Kerr from them, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> 100%. I would love to see that. You know, be, that would be a Sol Campbell-esque. Yeah, kind of really would. 100%. Really, and really would. Yeah, I mean, they've got their 
own series on the zone like the, the arsenal uh, series on amazon they've got their own on the zone mm. so that'll be interesting to watch but they've got it all there they've got emma hayes they've got the squad and to be honest they they will be able to kick on and they will hopefully be pushing for the champions league especially for the you know in terms of the women's game that'd be fantastic mm. but i think arsenal can can also rival them in that sense they'd be like listen we lost the league by one point yeah, and we can only get better, and especially with Jonas Eidebel signing a new contract, he's you can say that I'm going to be here in the next two years. So you're also signing to play for me, and if I like you, then you know I'll be I'll be here. That's true. That's massive, actually. It's something I forgot. And obviously, the contracts are a little bit smaller in the uh, women's time in league in terms of timings, aren't they? It does work slightly differently, and it gives the flexibility to the players, but also the coaches. And having that two years is actually quite a decent contract length. Um, so it's mm-hmm. just knowing that that's who they're going to be playing with is going to be massive. So um, lots lots to come from the women's team, and I'm certainly looking to keep my eye out for, for a good transfer window and, and perhaps just beating the Blues next season. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be the fantastic day. And, you know, I was there on the first day of the season where we beat them at the Emirates. Yeah. It was 2-1, 3-1. So that was a fantastic day. And there's always, like, a photo. Like, Mane Wabuchi posted one. Uh, Taya Goldie, who went on loan uh, to Watford, but then, unfortunately, ruptured a cruciate, posted mm. one. There's a photo of me with my friend in there uh, clapping on. So I, I take that as my claim to fame. I love but it. It was definitely, you know, it was a fantastic atmosphere. And they're going to be six games at the Emirates this coming season. Uh, for the women's team so that's going to be absolutely class have so they announced those is that, that is a fixture list out yeah so that's official that's official uh, they've so done that. six games nice yeah amazing so that's I... gonna be really really cool and champions league nights as well under the lights so that'll be also seriously cool yeah no i'm really really looking forward to it and look it's it's so accessible and it's it's growing and i'm very much looking forward to seeing a lot more of them on next season so um awesome is there anything else that's been happening in the women's game or Worth sharing? Yeah, at the moment. Um, it's, I mean, it's all finished at the moment, the, isn't it? So. Yeah, some of the Arsenal girls had a very good time in Ibiza. I saw like on their Instagrams. I think it was Jen Beatty's birthday. So like uh, Mido was there, Jordan Nobbs was there. So they look like they're having a great time. Yeah. Um, but then other than that, you know, it's just preparing and gearing up for the Euros. Uh, you can imagine, you know, Leah Williamson, I think, was in, in Italy, recharging her batteries. And then now she'll be coming back, thinking about the squad, talking to the coach. That's going to be really exciting. If you Huge. haven't got any tickets, definitely look into it. The matches all over the UK, and I'll be heading hopefully to see England in uh, one of the quarterfinals. That'd be really cool. Nice. And I'll also be heading to the final, and hopefully I'll end. I'll head. I'll see England there, and then we'll definitely do something for for the Arsenal editor at that point. Definitely try to get a video of someone, some of the Arsenal players. So would would love to to do that and one hundred percent get involved if you haven't already. So you know, lots to look forward to there. I think in the Lionesses squad alone, I think they have five or six Arsenal players. So Leah Williamson, Captain yeah. Moy, Nikita Paris, and um, Mido, at least. So four. That's class. Yeah, it's... Um, I, 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 are the final tickets still going? Like, because I... Potentially. Because I think... Do you know what I mean? For this sort of squad, I think it's just going to be so valuable to be able to do that. And um, yeah, I'm certainly certainly keen to get some tickets and get stuck in, particularly over the summer. I think we'll get a nice little Sweet Caroline atmosphere going along, yeah. and we'll three lines on the shirt, and it'll be all that all that sort of stuff again. And certainly got a team that could go and do the business. So I'm I'm absolutely buzzing about that. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait! It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, definitely check it out. I think you just head to you just Google Women's Euros 2022 tickets. You'll be taken to the UEFA, or it might have been UEFA page, but it might be 
um, some form of other organization and they'll take you there and you can select the venue, see what's going on. Nice. Absolutely excited, mate. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for doing that. That's been super helpful. And uh, thanks so much for coming on for the men's as well. That was really nice. And um, look, I can't wait to do the season roundup. We'll we'll do a full season roundup uh, next week. Uh, we'll get a few people on and of course do look back at the women's game as well and see where look where we could have perhaps picked up those extra couple of points that would have got us over the line, much like the men's team as well. But Connor, thanks so much for coming on. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Toby. And I look forward to the season wrap-up next week. I'm looking forward to it. And everybody, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for listening, as always. I really appreciate it. See you next week. And enjoy your week when we've signed Gabriel Jesus. See you, everyone.